G'day, here at the Regenerative Journey, part of our goal is to educate our followers on the benefits of knowing where their food comes from and the knock-on effects this can have on our health, our environment and our future generations. Understanding the connection has never been more important and in the spirit of this endeavour, we have teamed up with Highland Beef Pastoral Company, a grass-fed beef supply chain servicing the growing US grass-fed consumer market, who I'm excited to announce are our Season 6 show sponsors. Essentially, this Australian-based business places cattle on their member graziers' properties at no expense to the farmer and provides competitive returns for every kilo of beef produced, allowing their graziers to focus on improving their businesses in a capital-free and risk-free environment. Highland Beef Graziers are some of the best grass and animal managers in the country. Livestock are humanely and lovingly cared for while on their farms and customers are guaranteed a very high-quality, regeneratively managed grass-fed and finished product with full transparency from farm to plate. If you're interested in finding out more about this program, visit hbpastoral.com.au forward slash Charlie Arnott. Most of the women in my life at the moment are suffering from overwhelm. We keep having the conversation about how it just seems to be the cycle of, you know, running children, running lives, running jobs, running, just running, and um, the constant cycle of unwellness with everybody. It's unwellness, overwhelm. And I just thought, oh, wow, is there is there an anecdote to that at the moment? Because we're all feeling it. And is there something external that's contributing to that? I, it just feels like every time you see it clearing and you, you know, make a plan to go somewhere or do something, some crazy shit happens, like kids get sick or the car breaks down or just stuff. And it's pervasive at the moment. I just like to kind of work out how we deal with that. That was Angelica Arnott, and you're listening to The Regenerative Journey. From wherever we are, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia, recognising their continuing connection to this land, its waterways, the stars in the skies since time immemorial. We pay our respects to the elders, knowledge holders, and to all the generations of First Nations peoples who have nurtured their unceded sovereign lands for over 80,000 years and continue to do so today. G'day, I'm your host Charlie Arnott, an 8th generational Australian regenerative farmer and in this podcast series I'll be diving deep and exploring my guests' unique perspectives on the world so you can apply their experience and knowledge to cultivate your own transition to a more regenerative way of life. Welcome to The Regenerative Journey with your host Charlie Arnott. Angelica Arnott, welcome to your second episode. No, I so the, formal. Talking to, Excuse talking me a little bit. <laughs> Hello, Charlie. Uh, so you were the you were oh, I interviewed you for in in season five. Yes, it seems oh. like such a long time ago. It was a while ago. Oh. It was um, must have been around Easter time. And it was received very, very well. Not that I was surprised, but we had a lot of a lot of male and female, just male and female. I didn't. Please. I'm, we're not going to go there with all the it's other so gender stuff. <clears throat> Boys and girls were um, 
I got a lot of really good feedback. Oh, that's nice. That's good to hear. Because um, I have to say, it, I started out feeling really insecure having to have a conversation with you that I think was going to, <laughs> that made me so self-conscious and so weirdly nervous. And yet we can't shut up. We are the couple that doesn't, you know, watch TV or go to the cinema or still have <laughs> date nights and have have never run out of things to say to each other. But I just felt so inhibited by that process and I don't know why. The so formality of th- it. Maybe just because it's so formal and we're just such a relaxed, casual couple. But um, hopefully, yeah, this will become a little bit more um, comfortable. Well, you tricked everyone. Did I? Because um, it didn't come across, uh, you were not nervous at all, didn't come across. And the interesting thing was, as I said to many people who said how wonderful it was, and I said, well, she didn't think she was on point, uh, I'd follow that up with saying, however, you know, you were the only one who knew what you didn't say. We only heard what you did say and it was all good. So it was it was great. So thank great. you for for, for, uh, for being brave enough to. And it's not really even a matter of being on point. I mean, it's just, you know, you don't never want to say anything that's inappropriate that you can't back up. And I, I, I tend to shoot off at the mouth a lot. And so, but then, you know, you start to self-edit and then you become something you're really not. And it, it, I just never want to have an inauthentic conversation with you or anyone. And I think when you start self-editing, um, that can happen because mm. um, I, am I, you know, want to be truthful. It's a word I saw the other day, a word, yeah. <clears throat> uh, self-censorship is what it was. Yeah. Oh, that's oh. my cake. <laughs> do you I'm not, do you want, go, no, no, you, no, I don't want you burning the cake. No, I'll let it go for a minute. No, 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 but if you forget it in a minute's time, you, you won't. Well, uh, you, should, you should have put it on. Um, silent? No, snooze. Snooze. Um, well, so the reality yeah. is it's a cake we need for staff drinks tonight, so I have to go in. No, you do that. Put that down on the yeah, ground. Just put another five minutes. Let, oh, let's just sure? go. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, but who's going to remind us in five Me, minutes? me. I'll just put it back on the... Um, put a, put oh. another, Do another three minute or something. God love me. Okay. So, yeah, self-editing, self-censorship, it's bollocks because I um, uh, understand how it happens, but you don't need to do that. And no. um, I think your comments there about um, backing it up with whatever, that only applies if you are... You are standing on a... Trying to stand on a science sort of footing or an objective footing where you're saying this is... This and that is that, and you need. If it's your feelings, you know, or your feelings are valid. Yeah, I it's, know. Uh, it's all how you your your values or your sense of this or that. Then there are no right or wrong. It's just whatever comes to mind. Now, talking about coming to mind, we did mention we did have a quick chat this morning about um, what we're going to chat about. We did. We had, didn't get that far. Well, no, <laughs> only because we always get interrupted, but. Um, well, some topical issues, and I just wondered what your listeners are really up for these days. You know, what, who wants to hear what? And what is a nice segue into your first guest is what I was thinking. But, you know, hey, if it's just a random chat between the two of us about life. Yeah. Well, look, I tell you what, it's it's um, my first guest is you, uh, season six. We'll get to you a bit, for, bit, bit in, in a minute. Um, but if we want to touch on other previous, the ones I've actually interviewed for season six, let's have. Oh, we won't dwell too much there because um, I've actually got them right here. Hang on. Oh, geez, that was Bruce Pascoe. We've got my little book of book of notes here. How you um, life at that? That's illegible. Well, our fir- first first guest, I think, this season after us. So, so episode two of season six 
Dinah Rogers, who I had the pleasure of interviewing um, some weeks ago, over a month ago now, the Wednesday before the RCS Convergence Conference in Brisbane, and it was it was a ball terror. Yeah. It was so good. We had an hour, maybe it was close to two. She was exhausted. I have to say she was a champ because she'd just flown in from New Zealand at the end of some weeks away from home um, and she was lining up then for a couple of days of meetings with MLA and a few other people in Brisbane, then two days of the RCS Convergence and then she literally, I think to Monday, she was out of there. Yeah, no, she was on fire but she's got a lot to say and a lot. She was ace. Yeah. Um, Very topical. We talked uh, meat, you know, protein, changing climate, changing attitude to foods, nutrition, um, I can even look at my notes here, couldn't I? All sorts of things. Um, and it was, it was, I actually, I said to her, she said, oh, you've got a few notes. And I said, well, you're actually the person I've written the most notes about because you've come the furthest and After not, not her, the. her time up on stage. No, no, no. This is, I, I spoke, I interviewed her a couple of days before the, she did, but I, I, I just wanted to make sure I really captured. Um, everything that I wanted to from her, and so I wrote quite a few notes because I think she asked me, "Do I do much homework on my guests?" And I said, "No, not really. About fifteen minutes per guest is probably max." Well, I guess in your position, it's probably mm. essential. But if you don't do too much, essential. that's fine. It's all about the element of surprise. Well, yeah, because yeah. the more you know, the better the questions, I guess. But well, well yes and you no. If you if you've been to the Tim Ferriss School of Podcasting, he would say He's yes. A bit ad hoc, is he? No, 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 no. He, he, he is he, he is forensic in his preparation, um, which is great. He does a great interview, but at the same time, I think I kind of like to, as the facilitator of the conversations, let a, let the let the conversation dance between well, us. Something refreshing about that because it's not orchestrated, and you're not directing it, and and the the outcome isn't you're not driving mm. the outcome. But and. It, and it made me just realise the other day I had a chat to somebody who asked, we're trying to book a, a videographer for something else that we're doing. And we almost said yes to this person, but I've never checked his work because I'd never Googled him. And I know that sounds really unprofessional, but he was the first one, you know, first um, professional off the, off, off the list, off the list. Mm. And, and we were at a point where we were negotiating and I thought, God, I haven't even Googled him and I never Google. It's a little policy of mine where I just don't Google people mm. and I don't like to do it because I feel there's a weirdness about it for me. It feels as though I'm, it's, it's invasive and I don't have the right to invade someone's privacy like that. And I know that's ridiculous because that's the whole point of it. That's what a website's about. That's what, you know. But it does sometimes feel weird when you don't have any reason to, but people want to know more about mm. someone and they Google it. And the information that, you know, they probably don't have much control over is out, out there. Mm. And I just feel sometimes that's a, a it's overstepping a boundary. Well, you know our good friend Reese. Yeah. Is, uh, you know, a fair bit about him, so you don't need to Google him and his videographing uh no, it wasn't repertoire. Him, I was thinking about anyway. It was a whole other situation. It was another, yeah, it was someone else. About this project. Oh, really? Project, yeah. How so. rude. When do I find out about this? When you turn 50. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just gave it all away. <laughs> oh, I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, so, where were we? Yes, Googling. So, yeah, I mean, you can sort of prompt a few with a few questions and you don't turn up and go, so what do you do again? But um, I don't like to go. So, so when you were six, I believe that you. No, I don't kind of do that. You're just very relaxed about. Try to be relaxed and get them into a relaxed state as well, and then they just ooze information. 
Uh, so Dinah Rogers, she'll be up front. I don't know, I haven't worked out the order yet. Um, oh, Sheree Gooding was uh, was sort of late oh, June, uh, late June. Um, we did a um, workshop up there, Bilawita, at her family's place um, some hours out of Brisbane. That was fantastic. Her her vet, her vetting, being a vet and a pilot, so she's not, not – licensed at the moment, but some amazing stories of her um, health challenges, her life and her travels, which I'm not going to not going to tell everyone about just yet. You'll just have to wait till yes. she appears in season six. We have, um, oh, Jacqueline McClade. So she is really interesting. Um, just quickly, I'm hoping she writes a book because we heard sort of from her at the RCS conference, very interesting stuff she does with community and global food economies and all sorts of, you know, Indigenous sort of aspects of that. And she, well, and Frugal Abundance, which is a whole interesting conversation that we'll get to at some point, um, she has done all sorts of amazing stuff, um, trekked in the Arctic Circle, extreme sort of trekking and, and walking and sailing and just amazing, amazing stuff. So she's coming up there too. I only had sort of 50 minutes with her because she was literally had gone to bed at 3 o'clock Met me at 7.30, um, is a machine, and had 50 minutes, squeezed me in, and she was just ducking off to MLA. Um, And she was dynamo. And she's a she's a that I just uh, and then Catherine uh, Trebek I caught up with in Canberra last week, um, just before Walter at the Botanic Gardens National Australian National Botanic Gardens, which we've been to, um, incredible, lovely spot. We talked about all sorts of cool stuff. She just come back from uh, from Scotland, I should say, Aussie, but been living over there, talking about well being economy um, of the world and all sorts of interesting stuff she's been doing. Um, and then who was next? Oh, Walter. Good old Walt with his – he got the quote of the day mm. of the weekend at the RCS conference with his rootability. He's talking about, really? He's talking about soil. He's a classic. Walter is not young man. No, I know. That's why he can get away. But he is so vital. And he just talked about it. He had not, not a dirty little snicker, haha, but it was like, oh, some people find that amusing. Of course, everyone just pissed themselves. Correct. Yeah. Um, such a lovely man talking about rootability. But it's That's an cute. important part of soil. Yes, um, of course. Um, characteristics. Yeah, totally. All sorts of good chats about methane, um, production, greenhouse gases, um, cycling of carbon, emissions versus sequestration. Really interesting stuff. Yeah. So lots to look forward to. You've been busy too. And who else? Um, uh, Look, I'm uh, just going to just not say too much else about the other probably 10 guests. Um, Are you right there? Yeah, that's a bit of a question. Who are Helena... Um, Norberg Hodge, who is all about sort of um, uh, local food systems and community and so on. She, that's a very poor description of Helena. She's a legend, <laughs> appeared in a number of movies, written books. Um, she contacted me today. She's up for an interview, but I had prodded her some time ago for an interview. So she's going to be one. Hopefully Libby, Libby Weaver, if I can oh, yeah. get to her up north. Um, Blair Beatty of Farmer's Footprint. Yep. Um, as well. John Grant. I mean, not putting off John. It's just John is not particularly hard to track down. It's just that always, it's that for whatever reason, the the ships um, have been ships in the night with John, but he's hilarious, hilariously amusing in a lovely way, um, soil scientist from uh, Southern Cross University at Lismore. Who else is up there that Did way? You, that's, that's quite a list. Oh, Pran. Dr. Pran oh, Yaganathon. He's going to be here for the biodynamic workshop. I'd like to meet him, actually. He's lovely guy. He's awesome. Yeah, no, so he's going to be here and we'll I'll hit him up for an interview then. So that's, you know, there's, there's enough to, you know, 
satisfy your curiosities. Keep you busy for a while. Looking for more information to assist your regenerative journey? Come join Charlie and his guests around the kitchen table, an online community of supporters with exclusive access to the regenerative journey interview transcripts, live online Q&A sessions, a chance to engage with other like-minded people and more. Go to www.charliearnett.com.au forward slash the kitchen table. And if you're not totally satisfied with the value of your membership and wish to cancel it within the first two months, we will give you a full 100% refund, no questions asked. Now let's get back to this week's episode. What else are we going to talk about? You told me I mentioned overwhelm this morning. Oh, gosh. I live in overwhelm. And uh, I often, I you know, wonder how uh, most of the women in my kind of, um, you know, life at the moment are suffering from overwhelm. We keep having the conversation about how it just seems to be the cycle of, you know, running children, running lives, running jobs, running, just running, and um, the constant cycle of unwellness with everybody. It's unwellness, overwhelm. Uh, I just thought, oh, wow, is there is there an anecdote to that at the moment? Because we're all feeling it. And is there something external that's contributing to that? I, it just feels like Every time you see a clearing and you, you know, make a plan to go somewhere or do something, some crazy, you know, shit happens, like kids get sick or the car breaks down or, you know, it, just stuff. And and it's it's pervasive at the moment. I just like to kind of work out how we deal with that because I know you and I, I, I watch you sometimes in overwhelm and I think, do you know no, you're overwhelmed? No, I don't. I don't no, do because you go into denial, no, whereas no. I just feel my body start to shut down on me and I think I have to listen to that because I'm probably more sensitive to the the feeling of just chaos in my brain and, and my body starts to feel unhinged. And so, no, I'm just, uh, I'm just there to the world, not to anyone walking into the room. So, yeah, that that is a subject I'm always interested in and I'd love to hear more feedback about people that are juggling their lives in terms of, you know, running a farm. Like sometimes I think this is a big situation and and I've always found the the broad scale kind of situation we're in so overwhelming anyway. And I look around and I think how does anything ever get done because we're, you know, finding people to help us do the jobs is always a trick you know, you and your busy schedule, me and mine. And then I look around and like I was saying to you before, every door in this house has moldy, sticky fingerprints all over it with a star stamp on every <laughs> single <laughs> wall. And and somebody's got to get to that and clean it. And, and I just never do. So <laughs> I'm not having a whinge. I'm just saying that there are just days where I think, can we just slow it all down? I guess yes. I mean, there's no sort of answer to that or solution necessarily. It's like, well, the answer to that is this, but you know, no, you're doing well to bounce that microphone on. Oh, oh there you go. go. There's cake. cake. I well, don't let just it. on that. I just think it's not. I'm not even looking for answers. I'm just like no. it. Once you get that out of your brain and just say it out into the ether, it's it, it's like you know dumping that load and feeling like um, somebody understands because I'm constantly feeling like it's only me. Mm. 
you know. I don't think it is. And you don't suffer it the same way because you don't see half the stuff that I see because I've got this myopic way of viewing the living situation and then everything, the garden and then the things that have to get done. I know you go into um, action more than I can and that's because you don't feel that crazy Headspin. Well, we're going to be smelling a cake burning. I mean, if you don't get into action, <laughs> you reckon? Well, then that's going to. No, just put that on the just put it on the ground. All right, I'll, I'll just, just grab it on about God knows what. Yeah. So overwhelm. Um, what should I leave? I'll talk. Maybe I'll talk about Hannah Minow. We mentioned it this morning. Yeah. You had a question about that, so let's go to that. So you're doing that one. Um, we were just talking this morning about Hannah Minow. Well, the season really, not just here, Burrow, but certainly the season generally. You know, not complaining, just highlighting that the wet summer, the wet autumn, the wet winter, extremely wet, is um, has had its challenges. You know, we're delighted that there's been so much. Well, there's been moisture. We haven't, you know, had to suffer drought. Check it out. Can this, Sorry, can I don't mean to pose, but that is oh. almond ricotta lemon cake. No way. Um. The uh, what was I rabbiting on? Oh yeah, the season's just been—it's been challenging, just being so wet. So, you know, I have a, definitely have, definitely have a newfound appreciation for the seasonality, like a normal whatever that is season. So you know, summer being generally drier and hotter than winter, say. But um, it's certainly been hotter than winter. But it's certainly been you know bloody wet as winter, uh, and. It's um it's it's presented it's presented its challenge from nutrients point of view. I think the condition of the animals and their kind of their attitude, their you know, they I'm sure appreciate the seasonality as much as well, especially sheep in wet summer and burrower. I mean, you know, you've got flies, you've got you know, um, uh, just ill not ill thrift, but just you know they soaked it. The young sheep especially soaked it all summer. It's just those those normal summers certainly have their place. Um, and look, I think we dropped the ball on some nutrition in terms of roughage and energy and dry matter that, um, th- you know, available to some of our young stock, cattle and sheep. Um, could be wrong, but I just had a sense that they, especially the cattle, probably needed more energy in the form of roughage and just stuff to bind up the green. But it was, I guess, a, yeah, it was just a novelty to have so much feed and didn't kind of, you sort of think, good, tick that box. We've got feed, they'll be fine, you know, and then, but there's still just some, you know, monitoring and management that needs to take place um, in those rather unusual years. So that was my wrapping on there. Being some big lessons? Uh, well, yes, monitoring their condition. Well, yes, monitoring their literally their condition, their weight more. Um, we've got a scrape machine, an OptiWay machine, um, that is currently out at Tottenham where we've got some cattle on adjustment. Um, and it's literally a machine that uses satellites to send you data back on how how, much, how they're weighing, you know, what their weight gains are and everything. It's fantastic. We used it here, but it wasn't really didn't appreciate it till it was, you know, four four or five hours away, where it's <clears throat> actually, um, you know, can, can tell us that information. So that's been awesome. Um, and then yeah, so keeping an eye on weight gains and just making decisions based on that. You know, if they're not putting on weight, we've got to ask the question why, and you know. Uh, observing and uh, you know looking at they're doing an audit basically what 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 they're eating you know do they need more roughage do they need more energy do they need more dry matter you know whether that be sort of straw or hay or whatever we don't feed generally at all except for inductions and in the yards overnight and that sort of thing 
Burnham, I think they could have done with more. So that's a, that's a learning, uh, but certainly an appreciation of a normal year or a, a dry summer to break the cycle. And I think the plants need a cycle, cycle break as well. You know, they need those, okay, I'm an annual and I'm going to grow through spring. I'm going to dry up in summer and I'm going to set seed and I'll be there for the next year. You know, a lot of those plants kept on growing because they could. Uh, the perennials, I think, are just exhausted in a way. You know, they just, they're out of sync with the world. Um, it's kind of, you know, it's, I mean, I've seen the Manchurian pears. They're blooming, they're flowering at the moment. Bees are busy. And what are we at? It's the 20-something of, of August. It's confused. Now, I don't know if that's early. It feels a little early for those Manchurian pears. I mean, they don't fruit, so it's not as though you're going to get frosts and, not, you know, you're not going to get fruits yet. However, it just feels a bit early. But having said that, the last few years are feeling a bit early. Mm. Um I might be wrong because we haven't had warm weather. Like today is probably the sunniest day I've had for a while. So do you think that um, if this continues, because this wet cycle, I know we've had wetness before, but this feels like it's so wet underfoot. I've never seen it as wet out here. Mm. Do you think that things are going to start to adapt and and will cycles become shorter and less confused or or will it assess and go Don't know. Don't, I really don't know. I, can't, I won't predict... Just be, uh, what I will predict is that, you know, if we don't kind of take more notice, we'll fall into a false sense of security because, you know, <clears throat> as Terry McCosker says, you're always preparing to go into a drought, managing through a drought yeah. or recovering from a drought. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we're, we're currently kind of, <clears throat> um, uh, well, we're not recovering from a drought now because it's been a couple of years. We probably should be really thinking about the next one, you know, the next drought. So let's not get too complacent. Um, we're going to be building our numbers, our production numbers, not getting too fancy with trading, keeping it pretty simple, you know, because whilst we are pretty sure we're going to have a pretty good spring, they're talking six months of wet weather and so on. Mm. And so it's um, a hard thing to adapt to because you've got to change your headspace and think about drought while it's actually yeah. like floody conditions. Been the, been the, been the first thing from my mind. But, you know, yeah. it could get – we could have a, you know, could cut out in late spring and then yeah. the summer could be – Back to that. And then the thing is you get a lot of moisture in the ground, you get a lot of growth, and the activity, if, you, so if you've got a lot of plants growing and being very active, um, it can literally pump the ground dry because of just the transpiration. Walter was saying the other day you can have 20 tonnes, so 20,000 um, litres of water transpired out of a healthy pasture per hectare. So in a 100 by 100 square, yeah. 20 tonnes of water can be transpired in a day. So you do, I know, you know, so that's, I guess, the importance of, oh, that's the importance of hydrology and the cycling of water and, and what that does when the sun goes through it and then through that, that you know, that that, um, that moisture in the air and that breaks down methane, but that's another story. Let's get back to overwhelm. Oh, well, after all of that. <laughs> hasn't helped me. You saved the cake, so we win. Save the cake, save the day. Um, yeah, overwhelm out here, I think, is something that, you know, we really feel and sometimes it's a real thing. And I, I suspect that most people on farm feel it. And most people everywhere feel it. But, um, and, and I think one of the contributing factors to feeling that is the, um, I guess finding help is also a big thing. Just finding someone to come out, you know, do those handy jobs that none of us get time to do and stuff that just keeps getting put on a list. Um, and that's why I have this issue with list making because it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and you keep, you know, flipping the page and adding more and adding more and it doesn't seem to get anywhere. 
Well, I guess the trick there is potentially is you have the to-do list, but you almost need an extra couple of columns of and prioritising it. And so it yeah. can keep being added to, but unless you you prioritise what's on there, you'll just keep adding stuff to it and not know where to start to execute those things. And, you know, yeah. ABC or one, two, three or you know, green light or red light, amber light, I don't know, everyone's got different methods for doing that and going what's really important and, and your, your your criteria might be, you know, related to dollars, you know, is it costing you money if you don't get it done, is it are you missing out on making money if you don't do it, is it is there people, you know, people issues involved if you don't address those, you know, potential conflicts that might come yeah, up. Yeah, And I think just making a start too is the thing. Sometimes I can find myself walking around in circles just thinking, you know, I've got so much to do, I don't even know where to start. Am I coming undone? No, yeah. Um, yeah, and just, you know, a 15-minute breaker. Just get in there and do something for 15 minutes mm. that will help you tick a few things off your list. Um, and that's a discipline and I think that's really key. Have you got that discipline, Angelica? Yeah, I have. Every now and then I do. Like I'm like I'm – Fabulous. I feel fabulous that I've, you know, been able to kind of accomplish so much in a day. And then there are days where I can't, you know, even just getting out of my jammies is a trick. So, um, but yeah, trying to um, just, like I said, having the conversation always takes the heat off. So thank you for letting me air that one. Very nice. <laughs> now we can get on with other things. Um, what other things? Well, we're already 25 minutes, so we might um, think about wrapping it up. Uh, unless you – well, do you have anything else? I've got bugs and methane here with something that came oh, up. Oh, we, we can talk, talk about that next time. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they're not going to go away. For now, we'll just keep eating meat. Okay, it's not illegal. No one's taxing us. It's Why do you think people are so excited about eating bugs? Oh, who could be excited about eating bugs? Like I said, we're not chickens. There's nothing exciting about that. And it doesn't matter how you frame it up or what recipes you come up with, I'm sorry, that is not going to be a reality in in our time at least. Not well, our house. No. But for a lot of people, it, you know, it's a it's a thing. We can see where that's going and why. And seriously, where's it going? Well, I guess it's a bigger conversation. It's one, you know, it's it's one I don't want to start because <laughs> you'll jump on it, drive it. No, no, no. no, but I just don't Your think view. we need to entertain that as a crazy concept: eating bugs instead of real food. But why did you? What, what's the why? Why is that? Why are people saying that's a good thing? Or is that something that? Well, I think the agenda is to move us away from land-based protein. Mm. Is that correct? Well, that's my sense. Well, of it. that's the sense I have, and why, and, you, and why is that? Well, I can you know from what I'm reading and seeing, I, I think that you know we're we're moving us out of this you know meat-eating mentality is going to support a whole lot of things. Um, that it's driving an agenda that we have, or hopefully we have more control over. At this stage, we just have to address um, how ridiculous that is and and keep eating our meat and, and growing fresh, beautiful, biodynamic meat and promoting it, um, you know, as an essential part of our diet. Yeah, because I think there's a big push for, you know, cows are farting and killing the, the planet. Methane. methane thing. They are a major contributor to the, you know, the the world's current ill health and it's accelerating and it's getting worse and the cows are basically killing the planet. So there's that, there's, there's the, there's the um, environmental argument against cows. There's the ethical against cows that, you know, the suffering and, and so on. And then there's the, you know, probably less, not less important, but it's there, but probably less kind of, 
of a conflict in in the space is the nutritional, you know. Well, it does actually, you know, enter into the environmental one because they're saying, oh, these Franken food burgers are actually very nutritious and they're saving the planet at the same time. But if you read the ingredients, how can they be? Yeah, there's not much in there that's no, that's actually um, food. No. And, and they've found glyphosate. There's a lot of sort of um, chlorine, and because they, they have to be made in these very sterile environments. Well, there's yeah, there's nothing living in them, so we can't say that that's real food. And I mean, there's glyphosate in all our food. Let's face it. But but if it's not our food, well, not well, hopefully not. But yeah. I'm sure you'll find traces of it because it's everywhere. But um, if if we get to that, I, I think that um, yeah, it's it's quite crazy, isn't it? It's to think that we can supplement fake food for what we've been um, existing on for, you know, millions of years. It's just crazy. So, yeah, that's another conversation. I think we can pick that one up next time. Anything else you want to touch on? Any carrots to dangle? Any tidbits? Any No? no? Not, not from my end. Sure. Yeah. Come on. No, you're always you're got, you're always got, Kathy. It's got stuff to say. No, I've got cakes to, to save. And Are you icing that cake? I certainly am. We're having yeah. a staff gathering tonight. So um, well, what, what, what do you all that together. What do you, do, you, do you ice that cake? No, that just gets a dusting of icing sugar. <laughs> and what else can we expect? We can have that with uh, tonight. We're having the, our own the, pork sausages, yes. some champagne. It's very unfancy, but it'll be fun. And um, lovely cake, cheese platters, just a few nice little snacky things. I guess we better get all. Oh, well, yes. Yeah, you've got to get organised, all right? Frock up. Do I have to change? Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> it might be the last That's time. Off for you. It might be the last time they do. <laughs> it will be. God. And next week on The Regenerative Journey, my guest is Mary Richardson, founder of Highland Beef Pastoral Company, who are indeed the sponsors of Episode 6 of The Regenerative Journey. So really excited to get that uh, that episode out to the world. Um, we talk about Highland, Highland Beef, um, his involvement, uh, and more importantly, or most importantly, his regenerative journey to get to that point from a very interesting involvement and career in the, uh, the food industry. Next week... Maya Richardson on The Regenerative Journey. This podcast is produced by Rhys Jones at Jaeger Media. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe, share, rate and review. For more episode information, please head over to www.charliearnett.com.au.